Father, God, we just praise you for who you are right now. Lord, I pray as we open your word, we look at what you have to say to us. God, I pray that our minds and our hearts would be open to truth. So many times, God, we try to, we just have a desire in our flesh to believe something else other than the truth. And God, we have to wage war against that. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will help us wage war against that fleshly desire to believe something else besides the truth. God, I pray that tonight we'd be focused on the truth. And the truth is what would reign supreme. Lord, you are the truth. And God, I pray that we focus on that tonight. Um, so many times there are distractions that come in our way and we, we are straight away from the truth. And, and God, I just pray that we wouldn't be that way right now. I pray that the, the, the real word would sink deep in our hearts right now. God, that we would hide it away in our hearts and, it, and we would be reminded of it daily. Lord, I, I just pray that that would be, God, the overwhelming ministry of this church, one that believes in truth. God, so right now, I pray that you would bless this time as we look at your word, as we look at what you have to say to us. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would use this word to change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in a series. Keith didn't know that we were in a series, but we are in a series because he started out the whole, uh, I guess, the new year with the idea of if this was the final thing he was going to say, the last message he was ever going to preach, what would he say? And he kind of he brought us a word with that mentality, and, and we've kind of continued that line of thinking. And then as I was preparing for what I was going to bring to you tonight, I really began to think about what would be the final thing that I would say. If I was going to be bringing you the last message I would ever preach, what would I say to you? What would be the most important thing? And uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But you know, there's two things that people say to me once they find out I'm a pastor. There's two things they say to me. One is a question, and then one is a statement, okay? So... The first question they ask me is, how many of y'all running down there, right? That's going to be number one. Is your church still growing? That's what they like to say. Is your church still growing? How many people y'all got on Sundays and Wednesdays? That's number one question, especially if they happen to be in ministry themselves. That's another question they will ask, you know, hey, how many of y'all running down there? They like to ask that question. The other, question, the other things they say is immediately, they, when they find out I'm a pastor and they find out where I'm a pastor, they go... I'm going to come down there and check that out. That's the other thing they say. I, I, I guess it's common courtesy to say that to me because I'm a pastor. I guess they think that, well, he's a pastor. That's what I'm supposed to say. I'm going to come down there and see what that church is all about, you know. And uh, I, always, I always said this is what I was going to do. I wanted to tell every person that told me that, to say, you give me a dollar, and when you come back, when you come to the church to visit, I'll give you that dollar back. Otherwise, I'll just put it in the offering plate, and by the end of the year, we'll have $5 million in our offering. It'll be amazing. I'm telling you the number of people that always say that. Like, I'm going to come down there and check that out. And then they never show up. I'm going to start telling them, just give me a dollar, just one dollar. And then if you come to the church, I'll give it back to you. Man, we, will just, we won't even have to worry about money anymore. It'll just be like, it's taken care of, you know. Uh, but immediately, you know, people start to ask the question like, so how many people y'all got? Are you still growing? I, I was asked this question last night, as a matter of fact. Are y'all still growing? And um, I really got to thinking about that a lot. And you realize that the growth of the church is not really within our control. It's Christ who adds to the church daily. And I don't want to be in competition with Christ. Therefore, I will just let him do the work. I will continue to do this one thing, which happens to be the most important thing that we do. And that is I will preach the truth. I will bring to you the truth the best way I know how. 
I, I, will, I will diligently study and prepare and do my best to bring you the truth of God's word and not to compromise the truth in any way, shape, or form. That, that is my responsibility. That is the primary thing I want to do for you as, my, as your pastor. I want to be able to bring the truth to you in such a way that, that you know, it, it's, it's nothing more than, than here it is. Take it or leave it. You know, I, I would drive past uh, small country churches, um, you know, in, in times past. I would, you know, and I would begin to think, you know, there is some pastor of this church, and there's probably like 12 people that go to that church on Sunday, and he is preparing, and he is bringing that message every Sunday, and he, he is pouring his heart out into God's word, and he's doing his best to bring uh, the ministry of the gospel to those people, and, and like, and I would just have like this extreme compassion on them. I'm like, you know, I, I know how discouraged I get when I have you know, a smaller group of people in the con congregation, you know, I, I can't imagine if I only had 12. I do remember, by the way, one of the very first places I ever preached, I had about 20 people in the congregation. I'll tell you this story real quick. So I had about 20 people in the congregation. It was down in Lineville, um, Alabama, which, you know, Lineville only has like 30 people in the whole town. So, I mean, it's about 20 people in the whole congregation, and I was excited. It's one of the very first times I ever preached in a church. I was a young guy, and, uh, you know, I, I was stoked about the fact that I was going to preach in a church. And I had the tie on. It was a Baptist church. I had the tie on, the suit on, you know, the whole nine. I was, I was ready to go, you know. And I got up there, and I was, I was bringing it. And, like, everybody in the congregation was, like, 60-plus. I mean, just everybody was there. And then, like, right, right at the beginning of the message, there was this guy that walked in. And he was, like probably in his 30s, and he walked in with two kids, and they sat on the back row, and I was just stoked. I was like, finally, you know, somebody that's going to connect with me, and they're going to be in on this message, and man, we're, gonna, we're just going to go, and it is going to be great. So he sits there, and he's got his two little girls on either side of him, and he's propped back on the back row, you know, and uh, I get done with my message, and, and you know, in, in those churches, the thing you're supposed to do is you're supposed to go to the back of the church and greet people as they go out the door. That's what you know, I, I learned that in ministry. They teach you that. So anyway, so I'm at the back door, and I'm like shaking people's hands and all this kind of stuff. And then the guy, that one guy who's like in his 30s with the two kids, I'm like, I can't wait to hear what he says, man. He, he's, he got this message, you know what I mean? Like he connected with me, and we were on the same, same wavelength, and he really got this message. The guy walks up to me, shakes my hand, and this is what he says. Where's our normal pastor? I was like, hey, man. I'm glad you appreciated that message. I'm glad, I'm glad the truth spoke to you. You know what I mean? Like, and that was, a very, that was the only thing he said to me. Where's our normal pastor? I was like, I don't know, dude. Somebody just asked me to come preach, so I did. You know, that's all I got for you. I don't know where he is. He may be dead for all I know. I don't know, but I'm just, I was the guy today, so sorry. You know, I don't know what to tell you. But, um, but I think about those country churches with this, this guy up there, and he, he's bringing the word Sunday and Wednesday after Wednesday after Sunday after Sunday, and and like he's passionately doing it and he's, he's faithful to the word. And, and I just like, I, I get so frustrated by the idea of how many people do you have? You know what I want the gauge for this church to be? It's not how many people do we have, but how much truth comes out of this building. That is what I would like for us to call this ministry. You know, I mean, that, that would like, I would like for that to be the cornerstone of this ministry where we reach, teach, and serve. I, I really want teaching so that people go, I, I came out of there and I know the truth better than I knew the truth before I ever came there. I, I believe that there, there's so much out there where people are trying to compete 
for people's attention. They've got all these marketing schemes, and like you go to the bookstore and you can find shelf after shelf after shelf of how to grow your church. How to grow your church. Church growth, man. Everybody's got a book on church growth. And I'm like, you know what I think we should be focused on? If I was going to tell you one last thing before I were to pass away, and this would be the last message I ever preached, the, the, the thing that we need to be focused on is the truth of God. We need to be focused on what this word says, and that's all that needs to matter. And we need to bring it to the people in such a way that we don't compromise it in any way, and we don't try to win their affections. We don't try to sugarcoat it in such a way so that they'll come back next Sunday. You know as well as I do that when I preach up here, there's not a lot of people that like it very much, right? We have a big discussion every time we have our 20-something small group, uh, which I happen to lead. Um, a big discussion always breaks out about how every Sunday when I walk away from there, I just feel bad. And I'm like, my intention is not make you feel bad. My intention is to bring you the truth. Now, if there's something in God's Word that reveals something in you that needs to be corrected, something that needs to have surgery done on inside your heart, then I pray that God does that. But my intention is not to make you feel bad. My intention is only to bring you the truth. And sometimes, a lot of times, when we look at ourselves in comparison to this truth, we do feel bad. We feel convicted. We feel like there's room for improvement. Now, the good news about that is there is a gospel and there is a Holy Spirit, which is working on that sanctification, that process of becoming more and more like Christ, working on that in our life so that, so that we, we can see, you know, there's still things I need. If, I always said this about Scripture. It was kind of like chasing a rainbow. The closer you get to it, the further away you see, it seems like you are. You know what I mean? Like you can never quite get there. But the good news is like you continue to see the goal. You continue to see where you need to be, right? And, and that's kind of what happens when we look at the truth. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about this passage in 2 Timothy where, you know, Paul is in prison. He's writing to Timothy and he's like, okay, he's at the end of his life, like, like right at the end. As a matter of fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, um, excuse me, at the end of chapter 3, he says, excuse me, right in the middle of chapter 4, it says, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. So, I mean, Paul is like at the end, and he's talking to his preacher buddy. Uh, he's talking to Timothy, and he's like giving him some instructions. And, and these, these are called pastoral epistles. So he's writing letters to Timothy saying, hey, you're a pastor. This is what you need to know. This is what you need to do. And we talked about not being ashamed, and that's what Keith preached about. And, and here he's just giving him some instructions. The last thing he says right before he says that in chapter 4 is what we're going to like if we started right there and we just kind of backed up a little bit, that's what we're going to do tonight. We're actually going to start in chapter 3 where he talks about what I believe Paul feels like is the most important thing, and that's the truth. And Timothy's got to carry the torch. He's got to continue pouring the truth into people. And he's just telling him that. So we're going to take a moment. We're just going to read it. We're just going to look at a few things tonight. And we're going to look at what Paul says to Timothy right before he, he says that my life is... It has been poured out as an offering. I'm, my time of death is near. So let's look at what he says right before then. Because this is obviously the last thing that Paul would have preached, right? This is what he's telling Timothy. I'll back up. We're going to start in verse 14 of chapter 3. But I'm going to back up one verse into, into verse 13 of chapter 3. It says, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others. 
and they them, and them will themselves be deceived. So he's talking about people that will deceive you, people that will tell you something that is not true. And I believe that the place that we're in uh, right now is the same place that, that was in existence back in Paul and Timothy's days. And that is there are people that will lead you astray. They will tell you something that is not true. They will try to take the truth. Satan's number one uh, way to deceive people is to take the truth and just twist it a little bit, right? We saw that back in the garden, right? Just take the truth and just twist it just a little bit and make it sound a little bit different. And then you can get them to believe something a little bit different. And before you know it, they're worshiping something that's not God. And that's Satan's number one tactic. You know what you have to do? The only thing you have to do is you have to twist it just a little bit to take the focus off of God and put it on you. And then people are like, I like that. I like that kind of truth where you can, where it's all about me. It's all about me and my health, wealth, and prosperity. And people will flock to that, man. They will run eagerly to that. He says right here, he says, he says there will be imposters. He says they will deceive others. And, and will themselves be deceived. They're even deceiving themselves. They think that they're preaching something that's true, but it's not. You know why they're doing that? It's because they're not focused on what God has said. They allow Satan to control them, and they allow Satan to come in and allow them to, to preach something that's a little more sugar-coated, something where people go, well, I like that. I can go to lunch now and I can eat and not feel so convicted. I like that a lot better. And I'll come back next week. As a matter of fact, I'll bring a friend so they can hear that too. And before long, the pastor's like, I like having a bunch of people. I like having more people than I do like having less people. And that's the flesh talking. As a pastor, I, I have flesh. And I have things that, you know, I'll, I'd rather preach to 400 people than I had to four but that responsibility of who is there is not in my hands. That's in God's hands. My responsibility is to bring the truth. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be controlled by the flesh. I want to be controlled by what the Word says and be focused on that. So he's talking to Timothy. Verse 14 says this. It'll be up on the screen. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know that they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. They have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I mean, like, I hope this is what happens on Sundays. I hope this is what happens on Wednesdays. We stand up here and tell you the truth of God. It says, it, says, it is here to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. And people are like, I don't want to go to a church where they tell me what is wrong in my life. Well, there are plenty of other churches you can go to that will tell you that you're good and everything is great. But here at this church, we're going to tell you that you're bad and God is great. We're going to tell you that you can't do anything good apart from Jesus Christ. That is the message that we're going to tell you. That if you lean on your own understanding, you're going to end up corrupt and messed up and worshiping something that's not God. He says, he says, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, people are like, I don't want to know what's wrong in my life because that makes me feel bad. Feeling bad in light of the scripture is the best news you could possibly have. That means that you are humble 
before God. You recognize your desperate need for Jesus Christ. You recognize your desperate need for a Savior. Therefore, your heart is open to the truth. Realizing what is wrong in your life makes you realize that you're in desperate need of a Savior. That's the whole point. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us what to do, to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Do you know that you can't do a good work without the truth? If you go and you try to do something, it's not a good work because there is one who is good and that is God Almighty. And if you do it in his name, then it's a good work. But if you do it apart from his name, it's not a good work. There is only one who is good. And that is why we go and we serve in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't go and serve in the name of Kenny Nix. I don't go and serve in the name of Simple Church. I go and I serve in the name of Jesus Christ. Because I'm to have that mentality and that heart when I go and I love his people. Because he's the one that gives me the passion, the zeal, the motivation to love people. It's through him and the way he loves me that I can recognize how I'm supposed to love other people. If I go and I just try to love them the way that Kenny Nix loves them, I'll do it wrong. I'll do it the wrong way. I have to go and I have to do it like Christ would do it. Then I'll do it right. Because his truth and only his truth is the way, the truth, and the life. You see? I was going to die tomorrow and I had one last thing to tell you. This is what I'd tell you. The truth is the most important. It's the most important thing. John MacArthur says this. He says, you worry about the depth of your ministry and let God handle the breadth of your ministry. How big it is. How wide and expansive it is. You just worry about preaching the truth and how deep it is and pouring the truth into your people and don't worry about how big it gets. I have said before in this church, I have said that I don't believe we'll ever be a large church. I have said that. And the reality is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we're a small church of three people or if we're a large church of 3,000. It doesn't matter. What matters is the truth. What matters is the fact that we're going to come in here every single Sunday and every single Wednesday and do our best to pour the truth into you and not to pour some false gospel into you. For us not to be deceived, therefore we don't deceive you with something that's not the truth. He goes on, you know, I know that there's all these breaks in the Bible between chapter 3 and chapter 4, but, you know, I mean, it's all like one letter. So they do that to make it easier for us to read and find stuff. So I really believe this information is tied together. So and we're going to continue on in, in chapter 4. It says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. So I want you to notice something here. It says, now he's talking to a pastor. Now a lot of you are going, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. So therefore he's not really talking to me. Well, let me tell you that if you're a Christian, you have a responsibility to share the gospel with people. You understand that. You have a responsibility to evangelize. You have this responsibility to take the truth that you have been given and pour it into somebody else. You recognize that, right? So don't think that this doesn't apply to you because it really does, but only if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian and you're just in here trying to figure things out, this doesn't apply to you, okay? But if you are a Christian, you should probably listen closely. He says, he says, you're doing this in the presence of God in Christ Jesus. And he's pointing out the fact that the, 
the way you serve and how you serve and the truth that you bring, you're doing that in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will also judge. So if you're doing it the wrong way, you're not doing it with the right truth, you're doing it and sugarcoating it, you will be judged for that. You will be standing before God in Christ Jesus one day, and they will say, what truth did you bring to your people? And you'll have to give an account for it. Was it the truth that was in my word, or was it another truth? Now, I got a t-shirt on today. I don't know if you can read it or not. Those of you on Facebook Live probably can't read it, so I'll read it to you. It says, I never said that. Jesus. It's got a little Renaissance Jesus up here with a glow around his head, you know, I mean, like some picture you would see, you know, painted and, and hung up on your Meemaw's wall or something like that. I mean, like this is what you would see, right? And the reality is that, that there's a lot of things that people say is the truth, but in reality, Jesus never said that. It's not in his word. It's, it's not anything that, that he ever indicated. We were talking about some of that over there in, in our little prayer circle before the service. And like one of those things that, that um, we pointed out is God will never put more on you than you can handle. That, there is no truth to that whatsoever. That is a ridiculous statement, as a matter of fact. Um, it's not only not truth, it's just dumb, okay? God will put more on you than you can handle. You know why he does that? So you'll have to depend on him. You'll have to have supernatural power in order to be able to handle that. And I don't know about you, but for me, I don't have supernatural power apart from God. If I did, I would fly. But I can't fly. I'm not saying I can fly with God, but I do have supernatural power. The same Holy Spirit that, that rose Jesus from the dead now lives inside of me because I am a Christ follower. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ for my salvation. Therefore, I have the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, a supernatural ability to discern truth that exists within me if I will tap into it, if I will listen to that Holy Spirit. An ability to discern things and know things and be able to, to, be able to guide people the right way. Because I have supernatural power that exists within me, and that is the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that, that rose Jesus from the dead, that supernatural power now lives within me. God will put more on you than you can handle, so that you'll have to depend on Him and His Spirit. And people like to say that kind of stuff all the time, and that's why I love this shirt that Kayla gave this shirt to me, by the way. and says, I never said that, Jesus He's encouraging Paul. He's in, Tim, Paul's encouraging Timothy here. He says, look, you're going to be judged. He says, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. You know, you know there, there's two times in life. There's times when it's favorable and times when it's not. You know when you should share the gospel and the truth with other people? When it's favorable and when it's not. Either one of those times is fine. You choose which one you want to do, but either one of those times is fine. Whether it's favorable or whether it's not. So what does that mean? It means on mission trips, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it means also at the lunch table. It also means when you're at work and you're talking to your employees uh, and when you're talking to your boss and when you're talking to your boss's boss. You still have to pour the truth out. You still have to show that you are a Christ follower. You still have to live by the standards that Christ has put forward in his word you're not only supposed to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. That means how you act in your meetings. That means what you say in your meetings. That means what you say at work. That means whether or not you cuss at work or not. 
or school to be cool with your friends. I know I've said two weeks in a row something about cussing, haven't I? It's heavy on my heart for some reason. I think it's because people take it so lightly. It's not a big deal. It's what they think. I think it's absolutely a big deal. What you say and how you act, I think they're both important. Even when you're not preaching the gospel, you're still preaching the gospel. You realize that? Do you know that your life may be the only gospel that somebody ever hears? They may may never attend a church service. They may may never crack this Bible open. But your life may be the only gospel that somebody ever hears. Do you want those words to be confused with something that is against God? It breaks the heart of God? What's even worse than that is parents do it in front of their kids. That's pathetic. I'll just go ahead and tell you right now. So you want your kids to believe in you, to trust in you, to believe that you're pouring the truth into them, but you'll cuss in front of them? I'll let that one sit there. For the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. Of course, right? That's what we just said. Your natural tendency is to follow your own desires. And will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. We have a natural tendency to chase after something that's not true. We have a natural tendency to chase after something that is false and not of God. You realize that, right? If you don't believe that, then all you got to do is go back to the original fall of man and you look and you see, well, God doesn't want me to have all of this knowledge. He doesn't want me to be like him. That's why he won't let me eat of this tree. And Satan was right there going, I didn't even have to do very much. All I had to, take, all I had to do was take the truth and just twist it a little bit. And that's all that it took. And then, then the flesh took over and it, that was it, right? From that, that point forward, it was destruction for the rest of mankind. People will chase after what makes them feel good. They will not walk towards it. They will not crawl towards it. They will run towards what itches their ears, what they want to hear, what, what tickles their ears, in order, what tickles their fancy, what they like to hear, what they like to hear. Do you know that the only thing that you should like to hear in here is that there is an opportunity for you to take all the things that you know about yourself and, and that it's bad and, and you are able to turn those over to God and he's able to, to turn those upside down and turn them into your testimony and rescue you from your own sin? That's the only thing that should tickle your ears in here. Everything else should hurt. I've said before and I'll say it again. Your best friend is the person that tells you the most truth. And I was told that by a guy who told me the most truth. A person that will look at you and say, you know what you're doing is wrong right now. You know, when you, you're cussing at home and you feel like that's the wrong thing to do, it is the wrong thing to do. You know, when you're cussing at work and you're trying to have a testimony for Jesus Christ and yet you continue to say those things and you go, man, that feels wrong. Is it wrong? Yes, it's wrong. I hope I'm your best friend. I hope I'm your best friend. 
They will reject the truth and chase after myths. They will run to teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. But you, he stops right there, Timothy, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be clouded. Don't be clouded by something else. The truth, clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. It almost sounds like if you tell the truth, and people aren't going to like you. I've, I've felt that before. I was also told by this guy that tells me the most truth. I was also told by him because I, I was talking to him one day. And, uh, and we were just chatting. And I said, you know, there is sometimes when I feel like people just hate me for no reason. Like I have never done anything to them. And all of a sudden they just hate me. And I, I'm like, I don't know what that is. I don't know. Well, did I do something to you? Did I wrong you in some way? And this is what he told me. This is what my friend told me. He said, he said, I've encountered that too. And this happens to be somebody that preaches the gospel too. And he told me, he said, he said, I've encountered that too, but here's what I figured out. Usually what that is, is they see something in you that they hate about themselves. I thought, well, that's probably very true because I, I have seen that. So if they see something in you that they hate about themselves, you know what they'll do? They'll take that hate, and instead of hating themselves, they'll hate you instead. You ever seen that happen? You ever experienced that happening? Where they see something in you, and they go, man. Now, they'll never admit this. This is all subconscious. This is what's going on in the back of their mind. But they see something in you that they hate about themselves. Instead of hating themselves, they'll hate you instead. He says, but you're going to suffer. When you bring the truth, you're going to suffer. I said, don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. It's, it's funny to me that he talks about keeping a, a, a clear mind and preaching the truth. He says, but don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Now, obviously, these guys, they're talking about being put in prison and all this kind of stuff. But I, I'm telling you, anybody that brings the truth is going to suffer for the Lord. I'm telling you. If you bring this truth out of this book, you're going to suffer for the Lord. It's going to happen. Keith, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, you're going to suffer because of this word. And it will be suffering with some of the closest people to you, and you won't even believe it. I'm telling you, you will suffer if you bring this truth to this world. He says, don't be afraid of it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be afraid of it. He says, work, work. I like that word, work. He doesn't say, sit back, relax, kick up the recliner. He says, work. It means you've got to do something. I mean, work, that's labor, right? It's the same thing, the same word they use for a woman giving birth. It doesn't look like it's real easy, does it? He says, work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given to you. He says work and he says fully. It's almost like he's saying, there's a good bit to do and it's not going to be easy. Don't do it halfway. Work at it. Do it completely. My prayer is that in this place, this will be the most important thing. And it will always be the most important thing. No matter if there's two people in here, 2,000, 2 million, this will be the most important thing. And I'm going to do everything I can to bring you this truth. 
I've got flesh, and, and I screw up all the time, okay? But I'm going to do everything in my power. I am going to work. I am going to labor at trying to bring this truth of this good news of the gospel to you. And I'm going to try to do it fully, the best way I know how. And however God leads, no matter what that means for me suffering. Is that how you feel about this book? Is that how passionate you are about God's word and the truth? If you're not a Christian and you're not passionate about it, I get that. It's okay. If you are a Christian, you should feel convicted. You should feel convicted because there's still work to do. There's work to do on you. And there's work to do by you learning this truth. And there's work to do by you bringing this truth. And you should do it fully. And it should convict you to your very soul. Does it? Does it convict you? Maybe you need to go somewhere else where you can hear something that itches or tickles your itching ears. We're going to pray and have a time where you can just respond to God. If you need to do that here, if you need to do that at your chair, I don't care. Let the, let the work of the Holy Spirit happen in your life. If you see somebody down here praying at this altar, I don't want you coming down here and praying with them. You let the Holy Spirit do the work. If you see somebody weeping and, and crying at their chair, so be it. You can put your arm around them. Don't say a word to them. Let the Holy Spirit speak to them. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this truth. Thank you for the fact that, God, as Christians, as Christ followers, we all have a ministry, and that ministry is the people around us. No matter if we're a pastor, no matter if we play guitar, no matter if we sit on the back row of the church, if we are a Christian, we have a ministry, and that ministry is all around us every single day. God, I pray that we would be instruments in your hands. God, that we would take this truth that is in your word, God, and we'd pour it into the people around us, whether that be our kids, our friends, our best friend, our parents. God, I, take, I pray that we would take this truth. God, we would live by it, and we would pour it into others. We would do that work, and we would do it fully. I know, I know, God, that we're broken vessels, and we're, there's no way that we can do it completely, but I pray that we would work at doing it completely. There's some people in here, God, they know that they don't, They've never surrendered to this truth. They've never surrendered to you, Jesus. God, they, they don't have the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to convict them. God, they, they've, got, they've got the Holy Spirit in their, in their conscience, God, just, just working on them. But God, until they allow themselves to just be humbled before you, God, they won't understand. Lord, it's a work that only you can do. So God, I pray that you work on them, that you show them your truth, that you open up their hearts and open up their minds and they would fully surrender to you and they would begin the work. God, we so desperately need you and your supernatural power that we don't have on our own. God, that you would humble us, that you would break us, and that you would show us your truth. I'll be glorified now as your Holy Spirit does that work. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone stand.